Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget Big. My guest today is Alex Bender, who played football at the powerhouse Hoover High School, was the star of MTV reality show Two A Days in 2006, and played some college baseball at Bevel State Community College in 2006. We're going to hear all about his athletic career, what it was like to be on a TV show, and what he's up to now. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. It's been almost 15 years since Two Days was on TV. Do you still get recognized for being on the show? Uh, every once in a while, uh, you run into somebody that can't quite pick it out. I guess it's a good thing that means I, I guess I haven't aged too terribly much that people <laughs> can still pick, pick me out. For sure. And you're still in Alabama, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, we, uh, me and my wife and children, we just moved down to Alabaster, but we're still, we're still not but 20 minutes away from where we grew up. Very cool. And, you know, Alex, there are so many streaming services these days, but none of them have two-a-days on it. What's up with that? You know, I just don't know the answer. I wonder if some sort of sell uh, uh right to the program or something, I guess. There's something way above my pay grade <laughs> as to why, why that. All I know is if you go to the dollar bin at any of your local Walmart, you can probably find one hanging out in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a missed opportunity. It was such a good show. I would love to rewatch it. You know, I still, I have, I have not seen it since 2006. Wow. Good for you. I let uh, I let my daughter. Yeah, I let my daughter. I watched it live when I was uh, right when it was airing, and then I showed a couple of things on there to my daughter just so she could uh, get a kick out of it. And <laughs> I have not honestly. I don't even know where my copy of it is. Yeah, I mean, almost fifteen years have gone by. Who knows? Yeah, and they, that, that was all I got for the show was just one copy of the <laughs> one copy of the DVD. <laughs> so that's, that's, you would think I would have held on to it a little better than that. Yeah, right. So you guys didn't get paid. Uh, at least I, I can't speak for all of us, but I know I didn't get paid. Um, oh, wow. The one, the, the few of us that were on there that went on to go play college ball of any kind found out that the NCAA Clearinghouse would not allow us to accept any money for the show. So the parents, the parents were none too happy about it. We were too young to really understand it, um, but basically we would have been ineligible to play college ball of any kind if we would have accepted any money. Yeah, you know, that does make sense. I was going to ask if you had answered yes that you made money because it does seem like it would be an NCAA violation, which is unfair to you guys, but I, I guess yeah, I get it. it. Was, it, was proposed, it was proposed to us as an opportunity to make money in high school, and uh, little did we know that there was never a – we would have had to forfeit play in college ball if we, uh, if we would have taken any of it. Wow. I wonder, you know, in the future, if they could do that and, like, freeze the money. Say, we're going to give you X amount of dollars, but you cannot access it until you're out of the NCAA. I wonder if that would work. You know, that, that would be pretty cool if they ever, if they ever do something similar. That would be a – you know, the way the – NCAA is changing things around where kids can make money now. You, uh, you really just never know what will be allowed here shortly. Yeah. Now, some of the kids didn't end up playing college ball. Do you know if they made any money? Uh, 
I would hope they did. <laughs> I mean, if uh, uh, the, the, few, the few guys, I, I really kind of lost touch with most of them, but, you know, there were a few that uh, were cheerleaders that were had some, some big, bigger roles on there, Taylor, uh, some of those guys that uh, I, I hope they cashed in on it somehow. It would make me feel a lot better if it did. Yeah, that's interesting. So you grew up in Hoover, Alabama. Are you from a big family or a small family? Uh, I would say we're pretty average size. We're really not that big. Um, like, I mean, in comparison, my my wife's family is, everybody has two or three brothers and sisters all the way up through the lineage on both sides of the family, stepsisters, stepbrothers. I, I've, I've been dating her for seven years, married for almost three, and I still haven't met uh, the entire side of her family. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I, I would call us a pretty small family, but tight-knit. Nice. Any siblings? Yeah, I've got one older brother. Uh, he graduated Hoover right before right before me. He was class of 05, and I graduated in 06. Oh, okay. And did he play football as well? Uh, no, my brother was actually... Uh, really talented in some other areas. He was an incredible uh, musician with just about any instrument he could get his hands on, and he was uh, uh, pretty awesome at track field. I think could have could have pursued it if he wanted to. Uh, he was a pole vaulter and a hurdler, and very well could have played some other sports. They just didn't. That wasn't what he was in love with. Oh, good for him. Does he still play music today? I sure hope he he sure has a lot of talent. I hope he does. That's awesome. How did you get into football and baseball? Uh, well, baseball, I started playing from the time I could walk. That was my first love. That was what I always wanted to do when I grew up. Uh, football, I really never played until middle school, uh, not because I didn't want to, but because I hit kind of full size pretty early. I was... I haven't changed much since about fifth grade, um, and I was always above the weight limit for the peewee teams to stay. I could have I could have played, but it wouldn't have been with my friends, so that didn't interest me. Mm. So that's uh, basically um, what got me into football was just I was bigger, stronger, faster than everybody, and it seemed like a good way to kill time. <laughs> yeah, that works, right? Yeah, there was a time, I mean, uh, everybody that I used to bully around back in middle school, they caught up to me real quick in high school. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now, you were a linebacker during your high school career. Did you play linebacker in middle school as well? Uh, yeah, uh, linebacker and a little bit of safety, just depending on what the uh, what the need was when, when um, Coach Watson, who's at Tennessee, uh, was defensive coordinator. I was a linebacker, and then when Pruitt took over, he wanted me to play safety, and I, I think that was more of a move to try to help my career because I don't really fit the build for a collegiate linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, we tried the experiment out, and we got uh, kind of crushed by injuries. We had three or four guys get hurt that were linebackers, and that was when Coach Chair and Coach Pruitt came to me and asked me if I would go back to playing linebacker. They didn't ask. They told me I was going back to <laughs> linebacker again. And um, 
Uh, it didn't bother me at all. The way we the way we played under Pruitt and Watson, we split so much and had to do a lot of cover. It was it was almost the equivalent to playing strong safety to be a strong side linebacker. Gotcha. But I had a I had a blast with it. That's great. And with baseball, what position did you play? Well, I was a catcher in high school. Uh, I grew up kind of like everybody else to meet. They were I was a shortstop and a pitcher. And then when I got to high school, uh, they wanted me to catch. And I kind of spent my entire freshman year moping around about it. And then I realized I was pretty good at it. And, um, you know, catching, especially when you're growing up, catcher is usually the position given to somebody that doesn't do a whole lot. And uh, as you get older, that catching position becomes a lot of fun. I've incredibly hard on my knees but um but it was a blast you get you're involved in every single pitch of every single game so it's kind of neat yeah no you're right on that catching gets very important as you get older oh yeah it, I, had a, I had a lot of fun doing it made a lot of cool relationships with pitchers umpires coaches kind of a neat uh neat position to play for sure and as you said it's tough on your knees with football, did your football coaches ever kind of say, hey, maybe don't be a catcher? Was that ever a discussion? Oh, no. We One thing, I, I won't speak for Coach Niblett because I've uh, heard nothing but good things about him, uh, but I just I never played for him. But Coach, uh, Coach Probst, when we were there, he was adamant that he wanted everybody playing multiple sports. He didn't care what you were doing as long as – and I think not only does that keep you in shape, but it also keeps you out of that, doing something stupid. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He uh, runs such a great football program, but he wants you guys to also concentrate on other sports. That's interesting. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, I would always go and wrestle during the, during the winter, and then I would play baseball in the spring. And uh, the way I see it as a coach, yeah, I could go out and get hurt or something, but at the same time, at the same juncture, he doesn't have to worry about me being unaccounted for after school every day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How did you like wrestling? Uh, uh, wrestling was fun. I really, I knew nothing about it. I had no intentions of making a career out of it. I just had a, my, some of my, a couple of my best buddies in the world wrestled, and they were head over heels in love with it. And the way I saw it was, I got to go out, have some fun, stay in shape, and I had I got to miss the really boring, like early, early, early spring baseball workout. Another oh, yeah. terrible. You just stand there like five feet across from each other, throwing a whipping a towel or like lightly tossing a ball, and those were so boring. So anything was better than that. Uh, what people don't know about the high school, you know, probes get probes it and all them get most of the credit, but we had a wrestling coach that was, if we were in a different, if we were in a northern state or a midwestern state where wrestling is kind of, is, is a lot bigger, uh, we, we had a statewide, nationwide famous uh, wrestling coach that did nothing but win championships. It's just not football, and so wow. no one really hears about it. Yeah, that's interesting. So Hoover, a great athletic school. Oh, it was, it, there were, it, it's all in numbers. If you got 3,000 kids walking the hallway, 
you're bound to be able to put together a pretty competitive team at just about anything you want. Yeah, yeah, that's a large school. I don't know if she was in your grade. She might have been a little bit older than you, but a girls basketball player at Hoover, Sydney Spencer, went on to win a Sydney. title at Tennessee. Oh, I, had, I, I used to be smitten with Sydney when I was younger. <laughs> she was a little older than me, but I loved watching her play basketball when I was in – I was probably – I was in middle school when she was there, and then I watched her go to Tennessee and play, play for Pat Summit and all that good stuff. But Hoover had uh, – Sydney and then uh, Crystal Johnson were the two big Hoover – women's basketball players that were that went pretty far in their careers. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard Crystal Johnson, too. Your coach, Rush Probst in football, kind of controversial. Was he as tough as it appeared on the TV show? Oh, he's tough as nails, but the show, the show and, you know, Rush has found himself in the spotlight a couple of times here over the past few years. Um. I'm not going to sit here and defend anything he did. If he did something stupid, that's on him. But the way I, as the people that have played for him, you look, I look at what's happened to the people around him, and you look at not only the players, but look at the coaching staff that was around him when he was at Hoover. One is a head SEC coach. One is a linebacker coach for the New York Giants in pro football. Uh, you got three more on staff at Tennessee. You've got guys at Georgia, Troy. Uh, I mean, it just the list goes on and on. It's Jacksonville State. There is, uh, it is amazing what he has promoted to people that were working for him. Like he almost is kind of like the guy that can't get out of his own way. He's so good at what he does, but he just can't help himself. But I, and I don't know what it is. I love Coach Brooks. I would do anything for him. He is one of those guys that you would never know it, but there were guys on our on our football team that didn't even start that he would find a way to get college scholarship offers. And you're talking about guys that I didn't come from a well-off family, but talking about kids that came from families with a lot less than what I had. And he would do – basically, if you give him effort on the football field, and maintain your grades like you're supposed to, he will find somebody to try and give you a scholarship. He went – I had I had a bunch of offers coming out of my junior season that had nothing to do with me being more talented than anybody. It was Rush Probst going to bat for me. And that was – he wanted me to play football so bad, even though he knew baseball was what I wanted to do, he would, put, he would throw tapes together I didn't even know I had and send them out, and it was. You look back on that stuff, and you, you underappreciate it when you're when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. But that sort of stuff just sticks with me, and I know that he's going to have to answer for a lot of stuff at some point in his life. But I think if anybody were to say want me to say anything bad about him i just i just couldn't because he's he was so good to me while i was there that i, I just have nothing but fond memories of him he was tough as nails he wanted to expect a lot out of you but man was he good at doing his job yeah i mean sometimes the toughest coaches are the best coaches you'll ever have and he seems like a coach that really cared for his players and his fellow coaches Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, 
and not even that, like even the the department that you don't even think about, the athletic directors, the the staff in the office, uh, I, I mean, they all they all benefited off of Rush. And that's that's just so neat that he was able to accomplish all that and you know he was you know he couldn't keep his own knife out of his own back but man he didn't have a problem with helping anybody sounds like a real selfless guy oh absolutely and that's that's why it's so hard to see the bad things is you just you don't want to you don't want to believe it because you have this thought of of him that I grew up having and I had the experience with and I get it. Everybody, myself included, fights their own demons in their own ways. Yeah, but you know, your experience with him is a positive experience. So that's what you should take from it. Just because maybe he's done some controversial things, it shouldn't take away from your feelings for him. Oh, absolutely. I would know. I, I hope that, and I've, I've only talked to him a handful of times since I left the high school. It's always been pleasant. And, uh, you know, he comes up, you know, he's for a guy that's seen hundreds of and hundreds and hundreds of football players come in and out and in and out and in and out for him to come up and ask you how you're doing, how your family is. That's just, uh, you know, there's a side of Rush Brooks that nobody, nobody else understands. Absolutely. You mentioned Jeremy Pruitt a few times. He's now the head coach at Tennessee. He was the defensive coordinator when you were at Hoover. Do you still keep in touch with him, and have you been to any Vols games? Uh, yes, actually, I've, uh, I've kept track with Jeremy all the way through his unbelievably cool coaching uh, uh, coaching circuit. You know, he went from a high school defensive coordinator to a SEC head coach in what I would consider record speed. I mean, he was at Alabama. Everywhere he went, he won championships. Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, back to Alabama, now Tennessee. Um, and and we, we lost touch for a little while, but when he got to Tennessee, uh, of all people, it was Myra Miles that is my – she is just so cool. She She's his – I mean, she is his boss up there at Tennessee. She runs the show. And I had the coolest experience, not last, uh, year before last, Myra got a hold of me and uh, asked if me and a couple others wanted to come up and watch the Florida-Tennessee game, which I'm a huge Auburn fan, but I, that's, the Florida-Tennessee game is, is essentially the, like watching the Iron Bowl for us. And I got to come up and stand on the sidelines at Neyland Stadium and watch them warm up, uh, hang around with all the coaches, catch up with them. It was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It was so cool. Yeah, he's, he's had a great career, as you said. He's won everywhere he's gone. Going from high school to a head SEC coach in 15 years, that is pretty quick because, you know, it takes a while to become a head coach in the SEC. So I, I predict some more good things go, go in Tennessee's way. I know they had a few tough seasons before he got there, but I think they're on the right path. He is, if, there, if there's anything I know, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and promise championships or anything like that, but you're going to see their competitiveness step up year in, year out. Um, 
Jeremy's just got too much pride, and he's got he's too good of a coach. He's too great with his players. He's got to get rid of he's got to get rid of the rest of the players that don't want to be a part of the program or whatever the verbiage is. The guys that were there before that don't really seem to care. And once he gets his system in place, it will be fun to watch. I agree. They'll be singing Rocky Top. Oh yeah, that was that was crazy. That was the first time I've heard Rocky Top on TV. I've heard Tennessee fans talk about it. I you have not lived like I love a good War Eagle chant in the in uh, in Jordan Hare Stadium. I've heard the big RTRs and uh, Brian Denny. But I, I'm going to tell you something. That good old Rocky Top in Neyland is loud. Oh, I bet. Now, how did you become such a big Auburn fan? Uh, well, really, as crazy as this sounds, when I was little, uh, my, parent, uh, my dad's family's all from Wisconsin and from, and from Memphis. My mom went to UAB to college. So I didn't have like a diehard allegiance. My my dad and mom, they kind of they they were my parents are honestly one of the most cool, calm, collected football fans. They love football. They like Alabama football, but they don't get rowdy. They don't actively cheer against other teams or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, my aunt and uncle were the first people to really take me to some football games, and we went to some Auburn games, and I just fell in love with it. It was Auburn ever since. Nice. Now, have you ever been to an Auburn versus Alabama game? Oh, yes. I've been to about five Iron Bowls, and um, they're just amazing. What an unbelievable atmosphere. Were you at the one where Auburn won with that uh, that field goal, that botched field goal? Uh, no. I, we were actually watching. I almost got evicted from our – our HOA wanted to kick us out after <laughs> how loud we were watching that one on TV. I was at. I was there. I was in the stadium in Tuscaloosa when Cam Newton uh, came back. The, the Cam back. Yeah. Um, but I was. I was watching on TV for the kick six. It was crazy. That that was an amazing game. It was. That was, and it was. Just, it kind of reminds me a lot of the one they had this just this past season. It was just so wild that it came down to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good win this season. So now back yeah. to you. Back to your high school career, the show is called Two-A-Days. Did you guys actually practice twice a day? Oh, yeah. Um, there was the reason why it was called that. You would uh, – it really only applies to one point in time in the year, and that's summertime, where you'll come up in the morning, usually get up there around uh, – usually around six, and they break you up, your skill players and then your linemen – and one group is in the weight room while the other group is out on the field doing conditioning, and then you swap. And then you go, you're allowed to go home, take lunch, get back up there, and that's when you actually start implementing. You, a lot of it, most of the time, two days didn't have full pads involved, but uh, as you get further in the summer, you do have pads. And then the real, like, kind of the famous line two a days is all about summer camp and that's where you get up go to the chow hall you have breakfast you go out you full padded practice for about three hours come in eat lunch take a nap and you go back out and you go until you practice until you can't see anymore again so that's where the the two a days line comes from 
Sounds rough. Uh, it, it is, but it's a, it's kind of a rite of passage thing. It's like uh, if you're going to play football at some juncture, you need to go through that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It makes those really hot August-September games. You, you, you never have any idea how much you appreciate all that conditioning until it's the fourth quarter and you're dying. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And so once you're in school, you just practice once a day after school? Well, you work out in the morning, um, you work out in the morning, and then you um, go to school all day, and then you do a full padded practice in the uh, afternoon. Oh, wow. So you're kind of still doing two-a-days when you're in school as well. Yeah, it, it changes. It, it gets a little bit – folks had a unique way of doing it. Once you get into the season, once you actually start playing games, you get in a setup where, like, Mondays is definitely working out in the morning, definitely practicing. Tuesday is kind of a light workout with a heavy practice. And then by Wednesday, you're kind of cooling down, trying to get your legs back up under you for uh, uh, trying to get prepped for Friday night games. Well, his method worked because you guys won four state championships at Hoover from 2002 to 2005. So from your freshman year to senior year, always won a state championship. That's an incredible accomplishment. Four, four years and four rings. It was, it was really neat. It, it uh, almost made you not appreciate it as much. Yeah, true. It's kind of like the only thing you know is winning state championships in high school. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of <laughs> stray. We The state championship games were always played at Legion Field, and Rush, he made a uh, – it was kind of funny. My junior year, he made a promise to the team that if we – one state that he would go public, you know, I, we didn't have any big coverage at, at that point in time, just the local local channels and stuff. And he, uh, uh, he, he called it the, he called the state championship game the Hoover Invitational. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. It was kind of, of kind of small scale at the time, but it was pretty funny to all of us. <laughs> yeah, kind of true as well. You know, our, uh, my my senior year gets a lot of gets a lot of love gets all the attention because of the two days show, but my junior year team that was that was the only year we've been undefeated. Oh wow! That was uh, that was an unbelievable team. That senior class mixed in with the juniors of us that that played me, Mac, Cornelius, Chris, uh, the guys that got to play in with that group. Uh, we had an unbelievable team that year. And that's probably what led to the show because you guys had been so good that year. Yeah, I mean, it was – I really don't uh, – so Ross and I actually were not there when the show first came in and started trying to um, pick candidates out. And we were gone at a baseball showcase. We were – uh, that was back back when I could still throw a baseball before I screwed my shoulder all up. Um, the uh, the White Sox, you know, we have, we have the Barons that are here in Birmingham, so there's a lot of give a lot of opportunities to show out for Barons Scout, which equates to a White Sox Scout. And so we had gone to one and missed a football practice that morning, and we show up and there's cameras everywhere kind of kind of wild wow at that point had you known the show was 
going to happen or they were just kind of scouting to see if it would happen? No, at the time, all they explained to anybody was that they were, they were filming one week at three different schools throughout the country, sending it in. At the time, uh, it was not even, you know, at that point, they kept throwing the word around MTV, but they had not sold anything to MTV at that point. It, this was, uh, what was it, uh, Humidity Entertainment. Oh, okay, this so it was wasn't them. even MTV cameras there. Exactly. We didn't even MTV didn't show up on the scene until they actually bought the uh, whatever you call it, the pilot. Wow. So, so basically, Humidity Entertainment comes out, films this stuff, shifts it off, sends it into MTV. They decide they like it, want to go with it. They pick our school, and that's when that's when they come in, sign contracts, find the people they want to follow. And you get assigned a team. You have like a you have a, uh, a lead director. You have a mic uh, microphone guy, and you have a uh, uh, cameraman that are assigned to each person. And then you had a head head of production working for him. Uh, it was uh, his name was Jason, and. Uh, they once you signed that contract, they were able to follow you. The school signed it, so like they had access to the class. They weren't allowed in class when you were trying to test. Like if you had any written test, they they had to stay outside the doors. That's but good. yeah, so there there were there were some restrictions in school. But when you woke up, they slapped the mic on you and followed you around. So this, it was cool because I didn't have a cell phone. Um, and so it was, if I ever wanted some away time, I would just like, they'd ask where I was and I'd give them a BS address and, <laughs> you know, kind of throw them for, they'd find me though. I'd give them credit for people that are not from Alabama that are all from like New York. They would find me. And oh, that that's was back. So funny. You didn't, you didn't have the GPS. You had to print out the MapQuest directions to get places. Yeah. Wow. Thinking about, yeah, 15 years ago, 2005, uh, you're right. There weren't smartphones yet. Yeah, I give them credit. They did a good job of tracking me down when they needed me. Wow. Now, was it weird when they were filming your personal life, not even football, not even school? They would be at your house sometimes. That's got to be weird. Uh, oh, yeah, it was It was definitely strange. It took, a couple, it took, I'd say, probably a couple months, and then everybody kind of just got used to them. We really watched our P's and Q's um, for a little while, and then we just stopped caring. It was, <laughs> it was getting annoying. It, was, it would just get annoying. They, uh, You'd say something under your breath as a joke, and everybody would be laughing, and they'd want to, like, hey, can y'all say that joke again? It's like, dude, you can't. It's not funny again. You can't do it twice. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, yeah, they want the footage, so I see that. 2005 was the year that was detailed on the show. And in a lot of ways, you were the main character. How did you get that role? Uh, I don't know. I wish I wish I could tell you what about me was interesting. Um, I really don't know the, the answer to that other than uh, probably just because they spent so much time around me at the beginning um, I was, I had opted not to 
have a shoulder surgery. I wanted to play so bad that I knew if I had surgery, that would knock me out for the whole year. So I just decided to kind of ride it out. So I was spending a lot of time um, with our athletic trainers, a lot of time in uh, getting stem, the little stem treatment. And by doing that, that was where they were kind of camped out. And so just by virtue of pure luck, I was just, I mean, I was, I was in their conversation nonstop. Nice. I could see how that yeah, would get you I the mean, main role. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I, at the time you had uh, Ross, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was dating a, a football cheerleader, so was Ross. I think the only thing that uh, Max was dating a girl that had already graduated. And so I think they were just kind of looking for that, that mushy-gushy feel. And I think the only reason that they would have chose me uh, instead of Ross to kind of lead on was just because it was my senior year. I'm sure they probably wanted the aspect of someone who this was the last time we were going to put on pads. Yeah, I could see that. And Ross had season two as well because he was a junior. So season two was probably more featured about him. And again, I may be way off with that. Yes, I'm just I, I'm just using my own assumptions on that. Yeah. But it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the girlfriends you had at the time, because in a lot of ways, the show is kind of like a Laguna Beach meets Friday Night Lights. So boys can watch it because there's football. Girls can watch it because there's some personal drama. It's a, it was a great show. Yeah, interesting it was. Concept. Uh, I mean, it de- definitely not what was what was advertised but um you know because when they sold us on it that it was supposed to be just all about football so it was it was different for sure and in one of the first episodes you play at florida high school with a guy named tim tebow as the quarterback hoover came out on top oh yeah but you were on defense what was it like facing tebow uh it was pretty crazy that was you know i thought we I thought when we went to practice every day, we saw kind of the best players that you could see, but he was insane. He was an absolute – he was a man, and we were all just boys. <laughs> it was – it was uh, every much as tight as they did as, – as they got for him with the with ESPN, just all about him, he was every bit of it. If they, he just didn't have the team around him to, to win it. But they had some. They had really good players. Don't get me wrong. They just they didn't have the depth that that we had. We, that was why we won so many games. Was it's not because our starting eleven on both sides were that much better than anybody else. We just we had two and three deep at each position that may not be as good as our starters, but they're good enough to let us get a break, catch our breath, and get back in there. Yeah, you guys were loaded. And that game against Tim Tebow's high school, that was nationally televised. That was on ESPN, right? Oh, yeah. It was cool. I think, it was, I, I think I'm right when I say it was the first high school game ever done by ESPN. Wow. Impressive. It was, it was cool. It was, that, was, that was really neat. I actually I do know for a fact I have a copy of that game somewhere. Nice. You should uh, dust, you know, dust it off. Put it on, show it to your daughter. Oh, yeah, she'd love to see that. (laughs) Very cool. 
Now, you keep mentioning that you had shoulder issues, and I know during the season, it was referenced that you were going through something. What was going on? How did you get that injury? Uh, we always play. Uh, folks always had us in big seven-on-seven tournaments, which are still pretty pretty nationwide still. Um, and you play, you don't play with pads. It's all, it's two, it's basically two hand touch. It's not even, you don't even play. It's not even with flags. It's, uh, and he gets, I mean, people from all over the country, teams coming in from everywhere play at Hoover. And we were playing, of all things, we were playing Gus Malzahn's team out of Springdale, Arkansas. Uh, quarterback was Mitch Mustaine, who played at Arkansas and USC, I believe. We were playing them, and I went up and got an interception. And when I was coming back down, the uh, receiver had not intentionally had kicked my legs out from under me. And when I when I came down, it was just right pressure, right place. I landed on my shoulder, and it tore everything. Labrum, AC joint, uh, I popped my collarbone in half. Uh, it was the uh, it completely separated the joint. Uh, it was it needed complete reconstructive is what it needed, but it, it was decision time. It was if I have that surgery, then um, pretty much no way I would have been able to play. Uh, no way I've been able to play, and I wanted to play so bad. But in, at the end of the day, I should have never done that because I I was I couldn't hardly I could not hardly tackle anybody on my right side for that entire year. So it was it was pretty miserable. If I'm just being honest, um, I would have to to tackle somebody. I would actually have to get them, I would have to circle around them to get them on my left side. Oh, wow. That sounds painful. But at the time, as an 18-year-old who all I wanted to do was play football for the football team and win another championship, it made sense. But looking back on it as an adult now, it was a horrible decision. Yeah, but I can see in the moment you wanting to do it. As you said, you're only 18. Yeah, exactly. It was... uh, it, it made sense at the time. It just can't, can't go back and change it now. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. So after you win your fourth state championship in a row, that's when you get the surgery, right? Yeah. Uh, as, soon as, as soon as we won state, uh, uh, I went. We, we got spoiled with our health care here, too. You know, a lot of people don't realize as kind of at the time, Birmingham, as small as it was, we had the neatest place down in downtown Birmingham. Uh, St. Vincent had the best doctors to work on sports injuries. Um, you had Dr. Andrews, who is nationwide, any professional sport, any college sport, the number one guy to go to to have uh, any type of knee surgery. You tear an ACL. If you're a Tom Brady tears his ACL, he comes to Birmingham to get it repaired by Dr. Andrews. Mm-hmm. If when, when I was having my shoulder surgery, Drew Brees was having his shoulder surgery the same day. Wow. That was Dr. Douglas. It was, it was 
that building was so cool when we were younger because all of your major doctors were all in one building. You, it was, they make you sign a waiver that you're not going to go in there and harass those guys for uh, autographs because when you wake up, from, when you get out of surgery, they immediately take you to your first rehab and you're in there with pro athletes, pro wrestlers, WWE guys, college athletes. It's insane. Wow, that's amazing. And it's funny that it's a place in Alabama, not, say, New York City. Exactly. It, it, you would never believe it. Yeah, it's nuts. So you skip senior year of baseball, but you want to play baseball in college. So can you talk a little bit about the recruiting process and if you had offers for football and why you chose baseball? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I found out the the hard way that sometimes brutal honesty doesn't always pay. Um, going into my senior year, I had about eight football offers and I had about five baseball offers. And a couple of those offers were, were joint offers. Um, I was extremely naive about money and about what it took to go to college at the time. I was Selfishly, I wanted to play SEC baseball or SEC football, like not realizing how undersized and underskilled I was. I, that was just what I wanted to do. And the coach at Auburn at the time, Coach Renfro and I, had a great relationship, but he just didn't have any open spots for any catchers. Mm-hmm. He said I could come walk on, but no scholarship. I started going camp to camp across the SEC, uh, Ole Miss makes me an offer to catch for them, but it's like 40% scholarship. So basically I would have had to have taken a job and play and go to school to be able to even remotely come close to affording it. And uh, uh, Southern Miss had offered, UAB had offered, and a good many smaller schools had offered. And I'll be honest with you, my immature 18-year-old self thought I was better than I was. Um, in my eyes, it was big school or bust when it was the smaller schools who were offering up all the money. And uh, at the end of the day, it was a business decision. I had such a bad year, senior year of football that I wasn't sure if I could ever tackle anybody again. Um, I was afraid they had, they had told me, you know, what would happen, where they, when they went in and operated on my shoulder, one of the things that they did to finish it all off was they put, uh, they had to take some ligaments out of my leg and, or some tendons and strap down where my, my collarbone sit so that it would get back in the right place. And, you know, they explained to me what would happen if that ever got ruptured again. And, you know, my dad and I, my dad was kind of the person I I leaned on for my my future advice. And uh, we just made the decision that I probably needed to be as honest as I could with anybody who was recruiting me. And when I did that, that explained, that showed me that I wasn't as good as I thought I was because 
everybody stopped calling. I mean, yeah, it was it was kind of. I'm not gonna lie, it was really draining emotionally. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to like the cool big signing day, and I couldn't even, I couldn't get a letter in the mail. I couldn't get a phone call. I couldn't get anything from any just about anybody that recruited me, and in both sports. And when it came down to it, um, a couple of junior colleges just so happened to have not even called me yet. And when they called, I just told them, God's honest truth. I said, look, I said, I, I would love to come catch for you, but I'm not sure I can throw the ball back to the pitcher for nine innings. Like, I, I have no idea what condition my throwing arm is going to be in. And they, uh, a lot of them said, never mind, best of luck. But Jeff uh, State and Birmingham and Bevel State out in Summerton were the last, they were the last two that, wanted me there, and um, uh, I went out, visited both of them, and Bevel was in a, more of a need of a catcher, um, so it looked like I had the chance to start right off the bat, and so that was that was how I made my choice. Wow, that, that's such a rough situation, because what were you supposed to do, lie to them? Unfortunately, I don't think there's a way to win on that. But at the same juncture, it's uh, I always had really good grades in school, so I thought that maybe there was a chance somebody would take me, even if they never intended on playing me. Uh, You know, coaches, uh, college coaches get bonuses, get all kind of stuff off of uh, academic All-Americans that they have on the team. You know, a a dead gum second string. long snapper, if they make good enough grades, you know, that actually helps recognition for the whole team. So I kind of was using that route too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it just, it proved to me that I might not be as good because, you know, a really talented football player or baseball player or basketball player or women's sports, whatever it may be, if you're that good, they'll still roll the dice on you, even with an injury. But I think maybe it was just kind of a shock to my system that I was on that borderline. I thought I was good enough to go play, even hurt. And that wasn't <laughs> – that was overwhelmingly not true. Yeah, that's that's a tough reality to face. Because right at Hoover, you win four state championships. You're a three-sport athlete. You're kind of the big fish in a small pond, but then – you know, college is such as your small fish in this big pond full of athletes from everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, at the end of the day, the way I look at it is, is my job was easy. I was a linebacker that I played linebacker with two defensive tackles that both went all the way up through the pro rank, two wonderful defensive ends, two great linebackers. I had even all the way up to my senior year when we lost the group ahead of me, I had Max behind me that I knew nothing was going to beat him deep. It was kind of easy to play. It was easy to play loose when, you know, everybody around you is a stud. So it just kind of made it more simple for me to play. Probably made me look good because people were so worried about them that it was <laughs> they left me alone. I don't know. <laughs> no, you still had a fantastic athletic career. I hope that doesn't 
get you down on what you did accomplish because you accomplish a lot more. Oh no, than... I, I was a, I was a great. I, I, the way I look at it is, is I think I was a jack of all trades, just not a uh, master of none. I think it was a. I never really got specialized in any one thing. I was good enough to hang with anybody on any given day, but I was just not, I just didn't have that total package anybody was looking for. And I'm not going to lie, it crushed me. I always thought I was, uh, pardon my language here, but I, and my daughter stepped out of the car. <laughs> I always thought I was kind of hot shit yeah. uh, from an athletic standpoint. And then to come, Kind of a, a fall from fall from grace when I when those offers got pulled. So it was probably a good thing, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> Life lesson. <laughs> yeah, true. And you know, it's such a small percent of kids that play high school sports move on to college, and then there's even a smaller percent that go on to the pros. So it's tough. Oh yeah, it, it's uh, I grew up just knowing that I had a major league baseball career ahead of me, and and because I was I was so good when we were little, and even moving into the middle school age, I was I was so good that I was playing for teams that were traveling the country, and then all of a sudden you get to high school, and the first thing you want to do is change positions. And yeah, I'm not. It was a little demoralizing at the time, um, but. Everything has a, everybody has a reason for everything to do, and you know, at the end of the day, I had such a good time while I was, had my four years there at Hoover and such unbelievable coaches. I wouldn't take it back to the world. Yeah, you shouldn't. You had a great career, and I'm sure going through that disappointing time only makes you a stronger person. Oh, absolutely. I would. I think that's part of what molded me into who I am today is to know that uh, no matter how good you think you are at something, there's always people better. And yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta show your worth in other ways. Uh, my daughter is an incredible athlete and we're going through it right now. She's hitting the age where grades are starting to really matter. And I've tried to explain to her all these things she wants to do when she gets up to the college age, high school age, whatever it may be, that there's a million good athletes out there. You've got to have something that separates you from the crowd. Yeah. What sports does she play? Um, so Maria is a gymnast, and she is an unbelievable volleyball player. Wow. Um, and I, that is one she picked up on her own from her coaches because I know she didn't get it from me or her mother. And uh, she is a fabulous gymnast. She does all the flips and tucks and twirls and all that. Um, and uh, she, she, believe it or not, she took a leap uh, this past year and got into acting at school. was in her first play wow. uh, before the coronavirus stuff. She was in another play. She was getting ready to go in on another play before they shut it down. So she's very um, – oh, and she was the first girl to do uh, – to go join the boys in the flag football league for youth. And I got to coach them and had a blast. It oh, yeah, so you must have loved that. Oh, yeah. Wow, sounds like you're a very was, proud dad. Oh, I am. Her, she makes me very proud. Even if she didn't play sports, she makes me very, very proud. Absolutely. How old is she now? 
Uh, she is 12. Wow. She's, well, I've got kids on both ends of the, ends of the spectrum. Uh, I got one that's kind of starting her independence, and I got another who needs you needs attention 24-7. My son, Owen, is 16 months. Oh, that's so, so cute. I think it's kind of, I, I, no, I, you know, for only having 32 years on this earth, I've got some serious experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd say so. Two, two wives, two kids, uh, been uh, on TV. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, I've got a lot of life experience. Yeah, you've definitely lived a life. And let's let's get into that a bit. You talked about your daughter. So even though the show was filmed in the 2005 season, it didn't air until 2006 when you're a freshman in college. What was the reaction yeah. to the show like? Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, like the college I was at, I don't know if you've ever been through Summit in Alabama. I have there not. ain't nothing there. <laughs> it is there. The cows outnumber people like two to one out there, and not making fun. That's just it is what it is. And um, so it was literally like. To celebrate the show airing, it was just my baseball team and then the girls' softball team. We would get together and watch it, and that was pretty much it. Well, so no, and so you was, know that's interesting because there's not that social media aspect yet. It's 2006, so now you'd probably have you know five million followers on Instagram or more, and it's a different time. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, the the crew that worked with MTV had assigned a they had a lady that uh, she was real sweet. We'd only see her like I don't know maybe once in a blue moon. But she I didn't even have a Facebook at the time. She made one and like made me a login and all that stuff and went online and started like adding as many friends as she could, <laughs> um, uh, making sure to like. Press anything that got released uh, in regards to the show would like push that forward, and uh, they made me a MySpace. Um, and that was entertaining. I hadn't seen that thing in a long time. I used, I thought I could remember the login for it because I did have a pretty dope MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> wow, MySpace! And uh, I had a, AOL, a AOL Instant Messenger. That was, those are MySpace and AIM. Those are my. <laughs> That's funny. But sounds like overall your life didn't really change that much. Nah, it was, I mean, really it just went from like big school in a good sized city and all of a sudden we're in the pits playing like a home game for Bevel. And I mean, you're doing good if you got 20 people in the stand. Wow. So it's kind of wild. It, it was definitely a big change. But it's great folks out there, great coach. Wish that I could have played longer out there, but it is what it is. You played one season at Bevel, right? Not even a full one. Oh, wow. And you had. <laughs> Not even you, a full one. And it was shoulder issues. You continued to have some issues there? Well, there's multiple reasons. Number one reason was I acted like an idiot and. Um, I wish I could blame it on um, some sort of medical thing. I wish I could blame it on uh, 
drugs or something like that. It was just pure whatever you want to call it, 18-year-old dumbass disease. And I uh, went and got myself in some trouble. The school didn't, school didn't think it was very funny. And they asked me, you know, they, they basically told me to straighten up. Um, and I responded by throwing a party. And we got busted, and that was that. Yeah, it was uh, it was not not a fun time, not a not a proud moment in my in my life. But at the same juncture, I feel like somehow, some way, it all ties in together, and it it is what makes me who I am today. For sure. And you know, you're a young kid back then. You're as you said, eighteen, nineteen. But you're forced to grow up pretty quickly after that because you become a father. I lived life in the fast lane, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> right as all that was going on, I uh, decided I was a big enough man to, and I, I hope I'm not, I'm not trying to be overly crude or anything here, but, you know, big enough man to go around having sex with no protection, and that's how that happens. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that I, like, Looking at it now, I'm, I have such an unbelievable relationship with my daughter that I wouldn't change. I like if someone told me that there's a magic rewind button and you could have I could have Maria again, but five years down the road, I, I don't think I would change anything. It just it it just it kind of worked out. It is the way it is. I wouldn't have met the people in my life that I had met and. Um, I think when I got in trouble and when I became a dad, it forced me to grow up real fast. I missed out on a lot. Uh, a lot of my friends were getting to experience the, the college routine and kind of those, those whatever you want to call it, those three or four, give or take years of kind of carefree, you know, got to go to class, but at the end of the day, do what I want. I didn't get those, but I'm the only, I'm the only person that can blame myself for that. But, um, I'm going to tell you something, uh, I think it, it just goes to show I, I'm the guy you want to go in a foxhole with because I've been through it, I've, I've experienced it, and um, I know the difference between right and wrong and paid for it, and that's, that's kind of it. Yeah, no, you definitely have. I'm not have. very good at doing, I'm not very good at getting away with things, so it's <laughs> Uh, it's just not in my nature. I get, I've got horrible luck. I'm gonna, if, it, if I do something stupid, I promise you, I'll admit it because I'm, I'm just gonna get caught. <laughs> but hey, Alex, you have a beautiful life. You're married. You have a young son. Maria's 12. As you mentioned before, she's into all sorts of things: sports, acting. Seems like she's got a great career ahead of her as well. So you have a great life. I do. I, I am extremely blessed. I have. A, a wonderful family. Um, I've got a lot of wonderful people around me that support me. Uh, uh, more recently, I've been blessed to be able to keep working during all this, um, uh, all this craziness that's gone on in the world. Um, there's such, you look back at things and you think about your little hardships that you have and you realize that you're just you have no idea there are people out there that don't know where their next meal is going to come from and complaining about a hard day at work. It's just not at the end of the day, it's just not that important. And there's so much, there's 
so many beautiful things to look forward to in life. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned to really appreciate that and wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, that's a very mature perspective to have. And, you know, everything happens for a reason, and it's led you to this great life you have now. Oh, absolutely. It's been a lot of of U-turns and a lot of... A lot of circles and dead ends and all that, but it's been a fun ride for sure. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you're still working in this COVID-19 pandemic. What do you do for work? Uh, Well, I actually do, uh, for the majority, I do concrete work. I do uh, new home builds. I do all the concrete jobs, your slabs, footers, patios, driveways, sidewalks the whole nine yards, but I also kind of my niche is uh, irrigation. I love, I've, I've actually been putting the sprinklers in since I was 18 years old, so that's kind of where I come into the picture and get to do a little bit of both. Um, we're all over Hoover. Um, we stay kind of in between Hoover, Helena, Bellum area. Sometimes we'll venture out a little bit, but uh, that's, that's my world, and it's fast-paced, but it's it, good hard work um i get to be outside see different scenery most days you know little things in alabama we only get like four and a half days out of the year that are really pleasant but at least you're outside to enjoy them mm-hmm. yeah sounds like a great job yeah i uh, I, I love it and uh, you know i don't think i i'm not one to say what other people should do, but I just, I couldn't, after doing this all these, all these years, I couldn't imagine being behind a desk all day. Like, I don't mean that negative. I just, I couldn't, I don't know what I'd do with myself. I, it's just, I've done it so long now that I'm not sure I would know how to respond. Yeah, it's tough. I'm behind a desk all day and I, I would love to be outside more, but just not in the cards for me. Hey, I, I, everybody has their their reason, their deal in this life. And I just, I, I feel like at some juncture, I just, I was put on this earth to work outdoors. I have great relationships with my customers and I enjoy every minute of it. Good. Then you should keep doing it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's the goal right now. I'll keep going as long as they'll have me. Very cool. So Alex, here's an interesting question for you. As a guy that's in his 30s now, if you could go back in time, would you still sign on to do two-a-days? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, uh, there was no question that it was the fun, neat thing to do. Uh, I think we all would have gotten attorneys instead of just blindly signing stuff like <laughs> we did last time. Uh, probably would have changed a few of the words I said. Um, I got, you know, you're not even really paying attention to what you're saying. Uh, but absolutely, I would have done it again. It was, it was a blast. Um, even though we weren't getting paid, I mean, if they wanted us to go somewhere, they always paid for everything we did. Like uh, if we wanted to go out drinking beer or something, you know, they'd swing by the gas. Like, hey, guess what? If you want the address of this party we're going to, go buy some beer. <laughs> I mean, it was. Uh, Really ingenuitive of ourselves at that age to use that as a, what do they call that? A, hey, mister. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's we, amazing. We would get, 
that we would that was how they got the address to where what we were doing for the night and uh uh so absolutely i would definitely have done it again um we you know we kind of the graduating class of 06 kind of graduated at a beautiful time where like i i think 06 was the last year before social media hit real big and so you kind of got to live your life without everything being reported or monitored. And we had a chance to do that. And instead we went on a Degum TV show. <laughs> kind of eliminated the whole point of that. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. I don't know how much you follow MTV these days, but they have been bringing back a lot of shows. They brought back The Hills. They brought back Jersey Shore. If they ever brought back your show two a days, would you sign on? Uh, I'll be part. This is going to sound extremely selfish, but if something uh, and this is coming from me, just as I, I'm a paycheck to paycheck guy. Uh, unless they're putting food on the table for my family or paying the mortgage, I I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this time. There's no NCAA. Everyone is in their 30s. I, I feel like they'd have to give you money. Oh, yeah. And that's like, I, and I say that not to be standoffish or, any, or like my, like anybody wants to pay to see me on a television, but it's just kind of one of those things where you have to say to yourself, um, anything I do for you guys, if I miss work, I'm going to need X amount of money to compensate for that. <laughs> no, I totally get it. You're, you're a family man. You're looking out for your family. I, I get it. Oh, absolutely. I don't, don't want to hear that. Hey, ask my wife to float the bills for a month. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> I don't want to have that conversation. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if they ever reached out or anything, I would I would be happy to hear all inform- all offers and all, you know, all plans, but the reality of it is is my life's here. Um and I and I don't mind that one bit. Um you know, now if uh, somebody came up and started slinging around a whole bunch of money, I can't say that I wouldn't at least entertain it. Yeah, of course not. But first we should work on getting it on Hulu or Netflix or some sort of streaming service. I wouldn't even that that's so far above my pay grade to know how to do that that I I wouldn't have the first clue. I might have to start a petition. Hey, I'll sign it for you. Nice. Alex, I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I know for college sports I, I'm a funny I'm a funny guy, at least I think I am. I don't, Good. I don't know if everybody else agrees. <laughs> I know for college sports, you're an Auburn fan, but professionally, what teams do you root for? Uh, I kind of stick to the local, the closest locals that we have, uh, kind of in three directions. Um, the Tennessee Titans, Atlanta Falcons, and New Orleans Saints are kind of like who, if, if I had to say, if one of the three of them is good, then I'll for them. I don't have any tie- I don't have anything tying me to any of those teams. The only thing that changes for me now is um, uh, my my dad's family is from Green Bay or from uh, it's from Wisconsin. So we I do always try to at least keep up with Green Bay a little bit. 
Uh, but now Coach Scherer, who was my coach, who was one of my coaches at Hoover, was co- he was the defensive coordinator for Jeremy at Tennessee. He now is a linebackers coach for the New York Giants. Oh, yeah, so, so you got to root for them too. Yeah, and I've become I've become real close with their family. Um, they've had they've, they've got a lake house back here in Alabama. Uh, they've invited me and my family up there to come. Uh, they've actually uh, hired me to they I did some work for them a couple of years back out at their lake house, and so I, I kind of feel obligated. I have to at least if the Giants are playing, I got to at least watch and see if I can catch a glimpse of them and cheer for them. For sure. I, I'm in Jersey, so I have a lot of friends that are Giants fans. I like the Jets versus Giants rivalry. I've got nothing. I don't know anything about the rivalry. I know it's bitter. I know it's big. But if, so if, you're, if I got to pick, I got to go Giants. Because That's all good. Not, uh, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I lean towards the Jets, I, but I, I'm... I've got to cheer for them. Yeah, no, I hear you. I lean towards the Jets, but... I'm not too big into it. Like, I'll root for them, but if they lose, it doesn't ruin my day. Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, and I still root for the Giants, too. I'm kind of weird in that way. I want both of them to succeed. Well, I hope they both do well, and I hope that Coach Scherer and his family just absolutely kill it up there. Yes, me too. What's your favorite movie? Oh, man, favorite movie... That's a hard one. All right, this is going to sound to like my favorite movie growing up, like that one movie you can watch every single time it comes on. It, it's never the wrong answer. Rocky Four was always my favorite movie. It's <laughs> Why so the fourth dumb, one? so staged, but like when him, when he fights, the, when, when he goes in and avenges Apollo Creed dying and beats, uh, Ivan Drago that is just like to this day even though I know how the movie goes it just gives me chills when he's training and he's up there in the mountains running around in the snow I just get I get jacked up I'm not gonna lie wow very nice the Rocky series is a great one. Oh yeah that, some of them are terrible but that <laughs> Rocky 4 that, all of the first four are fabulous but that fourth one is just like that's my movie that's my go to Nice. All right, Alex, last question. What is a hidden talent that you have? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm the absolute best at. Um, I can put any food in the microwave, and I can, to the second, I can guess exactly how much time it needs to cook it perfectly. I can cook a Hot Pocket without it being lava on the inside. I can give me a plate of uh, pizza rolls, done, no problem. Different material, like a piece of chick- leftover chicken and some pasta, watch me pull it out where you can immediately eat both of them. That is a great skill to have. I, I cannot tell you how strange it is. Like, <laughs> my, uh, my wife doesn't understand it, like, I've even had to make like a chart of what the microwave things are. And it's not like, oh, put that in five minutes. Oh, put this. I've got it down to these stack. It's the weirdest. I have some weird quirks, and that's what. <laughs> that's funny, but hey, that, that like I said, good skill to have. Exactly. If, if you're looking for weird talent, that's one. And uh, I am a 
unbelievable. If I had to more more on the entertaining side, um, I am a an unbelievable trick shot bowler. Um, like in, like I, I'm a I'm a good bowler, but I can do crazy things with a bowling ball. Don't know why. Don't know how. I can barely do. I can't do it for long because my shoulder will come out of place. Oof. But the I can do crazy stuff with a bowling ball that I actually have on film somewhere. Wow. What's the craziest thing you can do with one? Um, well, I can, I, I, I actually can bowl right and left-handed. I, I can curve. I can reverse curve. I can go between the legs with a curve. I'll go through. I'll have my daughter stand up there and whip it around her. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of neat. We have a blast when we go to the bowling alley. I do. I'll, I'll get 30 feet back past the lane and jump two or three lanes and get a ball to go in. It's, I, it's the weirdest talent. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't practice for it. I didn't grow up bowling. It's just this weird thing I've learned that I can do. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's entertaining, at least for the small times when we ever go bowling. It's entertaining. For sure. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had a blast. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. I didn't even, it's time flew. I didn't even realize we'd been on the phone for over an hour. Yeah, no, it was a great conversation. Well, I sure do appreciate it. That was, that was a lot of fun. Of course. And as someone that loved the show two days, it was great to hear from one of the cast members 15 years later. Absolutely. Well, anytime you need anything, you give me a shout. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Alex Bender. I hope you enjoyed it. It was so great to hear what he's been up to all these years after the show ended. Fifteen years later, he's no longer a high school football player anymore. He's now a husband and a father of two. He's got a beautiful life. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.